This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello everybody. All right, we're back. We are together in person. Done a couple of the last few on Zoom because of uh, sort of life getting in the way, but we are finally back together on the same couch. It is a Sunday evening. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be Monday morning, but we have what can only be described as a round of rugby league. Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah. Um, but the round of rugby league could not be reunited with the concept of quality. Because no, certainly it was not. Bit of a slog, this one. Yeah. Some some moments of brilliance, some brief flashes of enjoyment across the round, but on the whole, very much an origin affected round. Yes. You know? Oh damn straight. It's uh, like it's like it's like when they try and get junkies off heroin and they give him methadone. This was the methadone yep. of rugby league. I, you know? I, I like that. Yeah. Hmm. Hope everyone out there's getting the help they need. <laughs> uh but it's New South Wales who need the help, and we will start with a preview of Game 2. Uh, the other at large has scheduling conflict, couldn't make it back for this one, so it'll just be you and I, two guys who don't get Origin. Well, we don't get Origin. I will say, before we get into the, into the Origin discussion, that I've been playing around with telling English people that they just don't get Test Cricket. And I must say, it's totally exhilarating. I, I now can see why Queensland do this. Yeah, it's well, awesome. the first time I dropped it, I was like, this feels incredible. I now understand why everyone from Queensland is so quick to say, mate, you blokes just don't get it. Because it does it does make you feel like a superhero. Yes. Because they just don't get it, mate. Anyone, just to the English people in your lives, find them, message them. Just tell them that they don't get it. Because they don't get it. Well, they think that having a go is mm. an entirely new concept that they themselves Oh, wow. This invented. revolutionary tactic of hitting the ball. Yeah, wow. Oh, we're, we're scoring a lot of runs and we're doing it quickly. We better give it a, we better give it a name that's not funny, that we're just going to beat into the ground until, until, I wonder it what is the a, first... until it is like a piercing ring in my ears oh my every God, time I isn't hear it. it. Just, what, I wonder what the first coaching meeting was like when he came in. Did you show them old Adam Gilchrist videos? Well, in fairness to Brendan McCollum, he could have just shown him his own video. That's true. He, he was could have just great. said, boys, you see how I just tonked the shit out of the thing? Yeah, do that. What if we just do that all the time? And they're like, whoa. Well, is that allowed? Wow, this it's is not very proper. They, they dropped their crumpets, yeah, their I must cu- say. The, a cu- a many a cucumber sandwich <laughs> went flying. I, I, this is not just restricted to basball, though. Any sobriquet but that takes the name of the coach or a concept and yep. just puts ball on the end. I hate. And an extra level of tedium was when, after the movie Moneyball came out, when we started hearing that in like footy and more on the nose AFL were doing it like ridiculous amounts awful I remember, oh yeah that's right it was the Dragons the Dragons on like Aaron Woods and Andrew McCulloch and they were like Moneyball <laughs> it's like what did you watch the same Russell, movie as Russell, me? Russell Jackson's a colleague of mine at the ABC and he wrote a really funny story a couple of years ago about the predilection of the word Moneyball in AFL so just Google Russell Jackson Moneyball and it'll come it up is a and good it's, story. A, it's an absolute beauty because it was at Epidemic levels, bro. It was out of control. They are worse than us with that stuff. Like they were, they're they, worse they, than us at everything. That's true, but <laughs> in particular, this like they were so out of pocket with the last dance stuff as well. Oh, well, they it's 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 funny for for a sport that's so incredibly insular. They also have this fascination with Americanizing so much what they do. Got to get every single yank to touch a Sharon when they come here. Exactly. Remember that AFLX stuff, and they tried to have the players walk, like arriving to the ground and make it like the NBA players. Yep. Do and everyone was just like. Nah, bro. This this is not happening. This no. is not the thing. This is not for us. Um, and they 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 get jealous about State of Origin. They're very quick to remind us that State of Origin was also a thing in there. So like, well, why just stop doing it? Then? Was being the being the key term there. Yes. Like, but this is not about our eternal yeah, enemies. We brought it back. We brought it back. Fisting the Sharons. 
This is about the eternal enmity that exists between New South Wales and Queensland. Mm. On the show last week, I sort of um, despaired a little at how so many New South Wales people seem to have thrown in the towel. As an origin agnostic? Mm. Agnostic, because yep. an atheist wouldn't believe. But no, I am An agnostic an knows agnostic. some things there, he just knows he can't understand it. Correct. As an origin agnostic, yep. how are you feeling about this game? Because you're about as clear-eyed a view as we're going to get on this one. Yeah, I, I think that some of the fears are a bit sort of far gone. Like, I, I do think that the hysteria has gone way over the top. I think that the idea that... Latrell Mitchell is a fantastic player, but the idea that Latrell Mitchell playing is the difference between like a slam dunk win and like losing by 30 points is, is comical. And you did say this on Friday that like they were winning that game with 10 minutes to go and they were winning a game when they had an extra man on the field before it all fell apart at the death. And they were having no issue moving the ball up and down the field and they won't have an issue doing that again. So if there's just a couple more moments of quality in attack, there's no reason why the Blues can't win this game. Of course, uh, there are problems. That, that we, there's been problems that have been talked about, not just by us, but everywhere in terms of the way the attack links up in terms of not being able to convert a whole bunch of chances down once they get inside the 20. But yeah, I, I think to call this a foregone conclusion is, is strange. And I think that I think the market's corrected itself a little bit now. But when I saw that New Wales were $3 on yeah. Friday or Saturday, I was like, I was stunned. Because even during the streak, they, they only I think there was one game in 2010 where they were shorter odds than they were at one point on either Friday or Saturday this week. And I think that... As great as that win was for them in game one, like it was still very much backs against the wall until the last 10 minutes where they pulled it out of the fire. It wasn't a controlled 80-minute dominant performance. And so, yeah, I think people have really got a little bit carried away with just the Blues letting it slip. But at the same time, I, I still think Queensland deserves to be favourites. I just don't think that the way it's being talked about... And it is being talked about more by... New South Welshmen thinking it's a foregone conclusion than Queenslanders. Queenslanders are still trying to position themselves in the underdog. I think they've had Travis Kelsey in camp this week to try and <laughs> giving them underdog give them lessons. some tips on how how much of a overdog you can be and still call yourself <laughs> an underdog because they're getting right up into that territory. But yeah, like I'm not going into Wednesday expecting like a shellacking by any means, and I don't think anybody should. It could happen, sure, but like. You sh- no one should be shocked if New South Wales win this game. Well that, well, that point you touched on before about the Blues being longer odds than they were almost exclu- – like being longer odds than they were for nearly the entire streak, that was crazy to me because that great, great Queensland team, as great as they were, only had the Blues down in that position, like that real low-down position in 2010 when they were at their absolute apex. And the Blues were at their absolute – Nadir. So to suggest that the two states are that far apart yeah, no is, is a little bit wide of the mark, I would think. Um, I think with the changes the Blues have made to their team, I think the way that they're going to attack this game is pretty apparent. I think they looked at the dominance they were able to get in the middle of the field for a good part of the of game one, and they're thinking, well, we're going to bank on getting that again. And to try and capitalise on that, we want to attack through the middle as much as we can, and we want to play faster, faster, faster to make the most of that momentum they're able to generate. I think some of the selections they've made really point towards that, like mm. bringing in Damian Cook, for example. Like I know he was always the natural fella coming in if Apisai Corusau got injured, but that sort of football plays to Cook's strength, you know, and it's the same with Reese Robson coming in and being able to give them a sort of that, that hybrid hooker lock that um, Queensland are able to enjoy with Ben Hunt. And I, I, we talked a little bit earlier about how Queensland are so adept at moving the ball from side to side and, and really playing quickly and really stretching the opposition defence because they've got Hunt and Grant and Munster 
and Cherry Evans, and they're, and they're so capable of getting from side to side really quickly. We saw that with the second Hamiso Tabawai Fidel try in game two. So I imagine the Blues will be looking to fight fire with 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 that to try and use their their size and their power and their athleticism to to, to control the middle of the field like they were able to do for large periods of game one, and then having the speed out wide mm. to take advantage of it both through the middle and on the edges. Like I think they're going to want to play fast, fast, fast. But that kind of plays into the style that Queensland want because that's kind of the way that Queensland found a lot of joy in game one, and that's the thing about fighting fire with fire. It like creates more fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Slow down, like, Ed. <laughs> trying to burn, like, tr- like con- seeing a fire and throwing more fire at it creates a larger fire than you had before. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fighting fire with fire, like conceptually, is not a great strategy. Wouldn't you fight fire with water? Yes, but I would. so so. But that's the and thing. yet they dropped the wettest boy. So. <laughs> yeah, so, but that's the thing. If the Blues are going to play that quickly, I think Queensland will welcome that because I think Queensland want a fast open sort of game. I don't think Queensland want a real in-the-trenches tight footy battle. You know, I think they want to be able to hit the edges and they want to be able to use their speed and their athleticism and that ability that they have to move the ball so, so well. So I'm hoping that if the Blues are able to sort of come in there with that attitude and then Queensland meet it and match it, we could be in for Mm. like a really, really quick, tough, fast open game of footy like the very best of origin footy like people talk about origin footy like it's always grim and low scoring and points are at a premium and it just, i just don't think it's sort of been played that way over the last few years i think like more 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 often than not both sides are getting at least a couple of tries on the board mm. and getting a few more chances in that in that besides i think so, maybe the, i think maybe it's just the goal line defense that's because there's i feel like there's no issues with teams getting up and down the field i think yeah. maybe it's a little bit the goal line defence might be a little bit better at origin level. Maybe that's why people do have that perception. I'm not sure. We did have a couple of amazing try savers in this game, but yeah, I, I think everything you said there is 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 spot on. And on top, of, but on, on one thing I will say in the Blues' favour is I think that the team that they've picked this time is a little bit more balanced. Obviously, we both wanted to see Ballo and Haas starting together, and mm. that is going to happen unless Freddie pulls a late switch and starts Stefano. But I would be seems unlikely. Pretty shocked if they did that at this point. And I think that on top of that. You had a lot of discourse before game one about where Nico Hines was going to play, what Nico Hines' role was going to be. Will they use him at hooker? Will they put him at 5'8"? What are they going to do? Who knows? And it ended up with him playing in the centres, which you know, of course, went a long way to them losing the game because, of course, he's in an uncomfortable position and he ends up being, being skinned for that late try. But this time around, I think there's a lot more sort of definition with every role in that team. Like uh, Utukamana is going to come on at some point, probably have one stint, and that'll be it. And he'll do a good job. And, he, and he's done a great job for the Tigers the last couple of years. He's not going to let anyone down. Reese Robson's there to play hooker. He'll spell Damien Cook at some point. And he might play a little bit of that roaming number 13 role that's become in vogue in origin in the past couple of years. Both of those make sense. And then you've got Liam Martin, who's going to come on probably for one of the edges. Probably Hudson Young at some point. Or maybe... And can play a bit of middle if they need him to. And you've got Cam Murray, who can do the same thing. Arguably the best middle forward in the world that's not starting this game for New South Wales already. So... And can also play an edge. So, like, they've all sort of got their roles and it all kind of makes sense. So, barring an injury, I think New South Wales are a little bit better set up this time around to sort of manage their rotations. And that was such a big issue in this game. We were looking at those rotations after game one, thinking, what's going on here? What? Why is this guy coming? What, what, why did Pangai come on back on for eight minutes? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did they end up with Nico Hines 
in the centers when he could have had you know Matt Burton who's got experience there being activated. So a lot of things that we questioned in game one from them are kind of being taken out of their hands a little bit with the team they've picked. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the bench rotation because I feel like after every origin the Blues lose, we always talk about the bench and, and the things that Fitler did and that they either did or didn't get correct. So, And I talked about this in a, bit of, in a bit in the lead up to game one, but I like the idea of having selections that simplify that process for him. You know, and mm. just if you if you remove if you remove like all the different options and you just make it as simple as possible and you make it as simple as Haas and Paulo are both gonna play between fifty and sixty and then we sort of just work it from there. And then the only the only swaps that you might do on feel are the back row spot and how much who have Martin and gets and who comes better. on. And yeah. then and then what goes on with, with Cook and Robson. So mm. those are those are the only two real choices you have to make. So if you simplify the process as much as as much as possible, I think you're much, much closer to, to arriving at the right result. From a Queensland perspective, because we've we've talked so much about the blues in the lead up to this game because Queensland are so much more settled. Mm. What aspects of the Blues do you think Queensland are sort of looking and, and licking their lips at a little bit? Like, what parts do you think they're really going to try and target and go after? I still think it'll be. I still think it'll be those edges again. I think that like Hudson Young's a fantastic player, but but he got a bit of the red mist in the early moments of that game, and I think that that's an area they can exploit again. I think that he'll be better for that run, though. I think he'll be a lot better for that game, and I know he had a tough game, and and it sucked watching that as for you and all the other Raiders fans, but I think. Getting another chance, I think I'm actually in favor of it because there's, there's like he'll learn from that and he won't sort of be going 100 miles an hour from minute one again. But I still think that you look at those avenues and as well, Tom Tabojevic not used to making 25 tackles a game. That's yeah. someone that's someone you can exploit. And then well, again, any, they don't any, have their... Any fullback defender well, yeah, in the exactly. line is never going to be that great and, front on because they just don't do it that often. And, and and it's the same on the other side. Like Stephen Crichton's a great player. I mean, we're assuming. like still, The team name hasn't officially been changed yet, but we're all assuming it'll be Crichton coming in. And again, a great player, a very good defender on his day, but that's, that's the areas that worked for them in game one. And I think that there's no reason to expect them to go away from that in game two. I think that... Especially with, I, I, I think Appy's a good defender. I think Cook might shade him a little bit, but they're both pretty good. So you're kind of splitting hairs there. I don't think they're losing anything at the very least with Cook. So I think that middle's pretty strong. And with Murray coming on as well, he's another fantastic defender there. Whether they whether they bring him on and give Yo less than 80 minutes this time around or whether they do something else entirely, we don't know what they're going to do yet. But yeah, the middle looks stronger for the Blues. And I think that going out wide and, and, and hitting them in those with those counter punches like they did Late in that game, mm. in, in game one, I think will be their path to victory. Well, to that end, I'm I'm expecting a really big one from from Reece Walsh in this game. And I know I said uh, I went on at length how I was expecting a big one from from James Tedesco in game one, and then that did not happen at all. And I have developed a really really bad habit of just being awful. You did say the Bulldogs would play him tough today? <laughs> well, bro, they have played they have played pretty tough for the most the part kids this are death. year it's until remarkable. it all fell apart. Yes, yeah, so. I swear, this is not some sort of reverse jinx or whatever. No. Like, I'm honest, I honestly the think that The moment we start is... trying to use these powers intentionally, they at, lose mate, power. That, mate, that's it. But, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a, a really, really big one from, from Reese Walsh. In you his know? house. Like, in, well, in his house, yeah. He was so good in, in Adelaide, um, but he was really good in... He, he wasn't good in the same way he's good for the Broncos. When he's good for the Broncos, it's because he's setting up tries and backing mm. up and doing all the great attacking things that we know he can do. But he was great in Adelaide because under heavy pressure... All over the field, well, didn't the, wilt. Yeah, that's it. And the Blues clearly came in with a game plan to try and get under his skin and try and rattle him a little bit because I think he led the league in errors at the time and he is someone who can make a mistake. And I think they thought, all right, he's on to boo. We're going to show him what this is like. We're going to bring the pressure and we're going to see if he's up to it. And he's more than up to it. Like... He's not just he's not just fast and flashy and pretty. Like he's 
he's got that dog in him, you know, to use the parlance of our times. But I think I think having a performance like that under his belt will see his confidence shoot even higher. And he's a confident lad to begin with, you know. So I could see him having a bit of a similar game to what Kalen Ponga had in game three last year, which I know is a really high bar, but I think Welsh is capable of matching it. And I think he's capable of matching it even this early in his origin career. You know, I think he's built for the big stage. I think he's built for the tough stuff. And I could see him, you know, setting up a couple of tries, scoring another one, making a good defensive play or two. And I could see him taking home man of the match. Like that's that's probably he was if we're, so if we're putting if we're game. putting if we're like nailing predictions to the wall. Yeah, my first one is is and the one that I feel really would feel really good about is Reese Walsh, man of the match. Because as well, man of the match is a bit of a oh narrative, it's a bit narrative award. Well. It's his stadium, but he's got the juice right now. Yeah, you know he ha- he absolutely has it in droves. And a lot of like you know you you and you know decks are different, stadiums are different. And he's got a better field than to Suncorp Stadium than, than most. He's been playing there all year, been carving up there all year. He'll be right at home. I agree with you. I think he's he's prime for a big one. Uh, who else in the Maroons do you think is going to be sort of leading from the front? I mean, that's that's all the usual suspects again, isn't it? But- well, I think they really need another big one from Pat Carrigan, and I think he's someone who was a bit of an unsung hero in Game One because they did get smashed around the middle a fair bit mm. for that first sixty-five or minutes. And Carrigan was the one who kind of held things together as best he could. And I think, it, I don't know if it was a game plan or if he was just able to recognize it, but I think he, he made a really smart decision in that he played that game as a, as, a, as, a run, as a run first lock forward rather than a pass first lock forward. And I think that just really gave the Maroons a sort of uh, straightness to their play and helped them play with a real uh, positive direction that they really, really took advantage of out wide when, when, the, when the time came. And I thought he really led by example for that Queensland team. So mm. I think if Queensland had to sort of pull off a similar act to game one, I think they need more stuff like that. I probably think they'd expect a little bit more from Tino Fatasul Malawi, who I thought was solid in game one, but is he's sort of at the point in this team now where I think he has to be a little bit more of a leader. He's been in the, this is his fourth full series. He's, uh, he's not old enough to be a senior player, but his experience sort of... Gets him that gets in that position as one of the leaders of the forward pack, particularly when you've got Tom Flegler playing game three. He's coming off the bench. Mo Fodawake is playing. I think it's his fourth game and his first game in a couple of years. So I think they really need Carrigan and Tino to sort of fly the flag for them up front, which I think I think they will. And four people that I think are probably coming into this game a little bit underdone. People that I think the Blues can really target. Xavier Coates is the mm. name that really springs to mind. I know he had, he played he had some good touches in that win over the Sharks. He finally he finally jumped up in the air and caught a bomb. We were all very very happy for him. But defensively he's had a really poor season. He doesn't offer that much in the yardage game, and I think the Blues will look at him and they'll think, "You know what? This is someone that we can really get after and someone we can target a little bit." And that's not to say that Coates can't rise to the occasion and find things that he doesn't always have for Melbourne because I thought Something that was really impressive in game one was how someone like Selwyn Cobbo really found a sort of grit and a, and a work rate to his play that he can occasionally have for the Broncos, but not all the time. But he mm. found it on the biggest stage. You know, I, I think I described it in the post-match thing as like he played a man's game. Well, Xavier mm. Coates has got to have a man's game today. like Not a boy's game. Well, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think he is someone that the Blues are going to go after a fair bit. I think they're going to try and hit him and unsettle him. And I think they'll look at him as a place that where points could flow for them a little bit. Yeah, it's, I mean, Mitchell Moses is no slouch himself, obviously, but it is a little bit of a shame for the Blues. They won't have Cleary's boot to test Coates out, which I think will be 
an avenue they explore uh, long and often throughout the night. And uh, maybe we should use that opportunity to talk about Mitch Moses because we haven't talked about him at all. And it's probably the biggest change that the Blues have made. Obviously, it is forced. But I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I just, like, they had a plan in game one. Whatever you want to say about it, they, they had their plan and they didn't do a whole lot of those sort of attacking kicks. They did. They they played a sort of more territory, more through the hands, more sort of trying to rough them up. Took a long time for the ball to get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm wondering how that changes in game two. And Mitch Moses is probably a little bit better of a ball runner than Nathan Cleary. His kicking game is maybe marginally worse, but it's still very good. But what I think he's where I think he does shake Cleary is in his attacking kicking game along the ground as well. So I'm just wondering how if at all you see them changing the way they approach their attack with Moses instead of Cleary. You kind of you kind of inadvertently got there yourself. You talked about his running game, right? And Cleary's a good runner of the ball too, but Cleary as a bigger guy and he is a pretty solid fella for a, for a halfback. Cleary to, to me is more of like a, a power runner. He straightens up well and is able to push through tackles, whereas Moses is all about his speed and all about his quickness. And with what I was talking about before, about the Blues attacking through the middle with their speed, with Damian Cook and with James Tedesco, the way that they have done successfully in the past, I think that's a style that will really suit Mitch Moses. Playing straight, playing direct, playing on the ball, using that speed to target tied defenders and getting off the back of of really quick rucks, you know, and, and looking more ch- for more chances for himself rather than than going wide. You know, I, I think playing direct is the way for the Blues to win this game. And I actually think that could suit Moses really, really well, you know. So I mm. think he could he could fall into a really nice pattern and a really nice combo with, with, with Cook and Tedesco. So I think yeah. from a, that's why from a stylistic point, I, pref- I prefer Moses over someone like Reynolds or Hines because I think they're going into interesting. this with a plan to attack through the middle with their speed and I think Hines and Reynolds just are not suited to that as Because Moses. I think Nathan Cleary is a better player than Mitchell Moses but I think with Cook Tedesco and the dynamic forward pack and how they want to be fast, 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 go, 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 yeah. he might actually be better suited to this team. It's possible. And it doesn't, it, it like, all, even if they win, Cleary's coming back next year. It does like They'll pick him. Well, but it, it, it all depends on the style that they're looking to mm. play. you know. And I think... This is all. This is all just educated guesses. We don't know if they're going to come oh, no and play like that. They could but just go up and play the exact same way. Just with the horses on. they have, it would seem this is the way to run them. Yeah. So we did talk, and I just had another look. By the way, the Blues are back out to three dollars again, which I think is just crazy town. Like I, I'm not going to tip them, but <laughs> well, that's the thing. We say it's crazy town, but like, well, like neither of us are tipping. Well, no, them. but neither like you can, cr- we under, like we might not get Origin. But we do we do get Queensland we, at Suncorp. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta. Well, no, but like you, you know what I mean, though, right? Do like you can have a, a, a there could be like a prelim final between two games that's very evenly matched. If you saw one of them was randomly three dollars, you'd be like, what the fuck? It might not be the one you're tipping, but mm. it's still strange. It's notable. It's notable. It is very strange. So with that in mind, I am going to pick Queensland by eight points. You got a you got a man of the match first uh, try. I'm going to say some details. All right, I'm going to say Queensland Queensland win by eight. The man of the match is Cameron Munster, and the first try scorer, against all odds, is Xavier Coates. <laughs> no one believed that the Queensland left winger correct could be, exactly could be right. the opening no, try scorer of the nobody game. Nobody said he could do it. <laughs> um, I'll take Queensland as well. Uh, I'll take them by two points in a really really tight one. You've already said Reese. I've already said Reese Walsh for man of the match. I think an important thing for the Blues in this is to start well and to sort of get that confidence because taking on Suncorp, taking on the the cathedral of of origin football, the theatre of dreams. 
well, the palace of nightmares, mm. depending on, on, on where you're from. I think it's really important that they just get a little bit of confidence early with a really big start. And that might just be from a really good defensive set or a really good carry or something like that. But I think they're going to come out and start really fast and actually score first. And because I am a deeply uncreative person at my core, I love picking back rowers to score first in big games. So I'm taking Hudson Tice, Young. Uh, <laughs> no, Hudson yeah. Young, because I do think once they get it, once the Blues get into the 20, they're going to favour well, that it was the, edge a Well, it was more. the left back row who scored the first try in the first game. So. Well, yeah, and they they I know Martin ended up scoring that try, but Mart, uh, Young was running that same line very, mm. very often. Yeah. So I, I, I But I'm, I'm, here we go. It's not going to be from a pass. It's from a little... Jerome Luai grubber. Oh, I like that. Not unlike the Cameron Munston grubber that Tabuai Fido got to in game one like to that. score the first Very try. Very specific. But I do like, I do like, yeah, you got to like Queensland in this uh, one. For don't my you? prediction, Coates is just going to go over in the corner, untouched, backline movement, nice and easy. Untouched. My favorite, well, maybe you'll get a touch, but yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite try. I've watched my favorite winger score it 160 three times, whatever it is. I don't even know what he's up to now. Yeah. But yeah, but, I'm, 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 I, People, I think people, like I've said, the people are down on the Blues a little bit. I'm actually really pumped for this. So, yeah, I, th- I think we're in for a, a real hum thing. I'm, go- I'm lucky enough I'm going to be heading up there for work, yes, which I'm really, you. really excited about. Found that out the other day. Um, it's only the second Suncorp Origin I've ever been to. And the first one was Game 3 2012 when Kronk kicked the field goal. And for a while, that was the best game of footy I'd been to in my entire life. So this one's got a lot to live up to. But I think... Great game. I think it can do it. Oh, dude... Unbelievable! If you'd game. like a five thousand word re- re- rewind on that game, I wrote <laughs> I wrote one last year with uh, with uh, JT and Cam Smith and Paul Gallon and on oh, James Tarmo, of course. Sorry, the how, star of the how show. could you forget? Yeah. yeah, that's on the nine website. Go find it. it's actually good. Most of the stuff I wrote was it's garbage. Actually, but, good. Well, no, most of the stuff I wrote there was <laughs> the shit. Tone of surprise. <laughs> no, no, you, uh, you're gonna soak up some atmosphere on Caxton Street beforehand. Oh, definitely. That's a must. Mm. That's a must. When I went up there earlier this year for the Broncos Dolphins. Queensland Derby. I, I made a point of, um, I think I watched like the first twenty minutes of the six o'clock game at the Lord Alfred, and then just spent maybe a good hour just sort of meandering down, mm. saying good day to people, pulling into places, checking stuff out, and just sort of soaking up the vibes. I think this is more of a sports journalism tangent, but more and more things are being covered remotely. You know, people sitting yeah. in an office or sitting at home and watching something on TV, and then trying to, to write about it or trying to tell people about why it's important or what it means. So every time I'm sort of lucky enough to get sent somewhere, I think it's really important to try and soak up the vibes of of the game and, and, and the city on game day Absolutely. and try and put that into your work and there's as, nothing, as much as possible. There's nothing like the Brisbane, see, the Caxton Street area on a, on a Broncos or Queensland game day. There's just nothing compares. Yeah. I, there, I, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing in Australian rugby league like it, that's for sure, mm. because there's no other city that... Sort of is built around the team and the sport the way that Brisbane is with the Broncos, you know. That's so right. I'm really, really pumped that I'm going to be there. Very, very excited. Your tax dollars at work. Well, I'm happy to pay my tax for this yeah. one. I've actually called the ATO and said this week I'm paying tax. Look at just you. That's so, a big step. So you can go. You're going legit. Yep. Just trying my best, mate. Just trying my best. All right. Uh, before we go there, we have to go back, unfortunately, to this round of rugby league that took place. Um, Some flashes of brilliance. Let's 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 hold on to that as we trudge through this netherworld. Tr- trudge of is the right is the right rugby verb league. Jesus Christ, this was a stinky round. Starting with the only game that wasn't stinky, 
So we, we get the we have saved the best. We're eating our dessert first. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Cowboys twenty seven, Penrith twenty three. We get a lot of things wrong, Nick Canton. We get a lot of things wrong all the time. But one thing we both agreed on last week is while Dylan Edwards is the better player, Josh Drinkwater is more important to his team in the co- in the way that these two team Scott lists. Drinkwater. I did it again. Every every time. I'm not editing that out. Every it's time, part of the, brother. It's part of the bit at this point. Yeah. But we both agreed that Scott Drinkwater, not Josh Drinkwater, was more important to his team with these lineups and the attacking players they each had out. And we were vindicated with not only his golden point try, but an overall attacking masterclass from him. But, of course, finishing with that ridiculous try to win them the game. Scott Drinkwater is my favourite non-raider to watch in the entire competition. Oh, and sure enough, Dylan Edwards had like 330 metres. Yeah, so but Scott, 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 it. So Scott Drinkwater, just the, 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 the way that he's able to attack, the, the class that he shows, the sort of mixture of percentage plays and natural instinct that he's sort of really nailed over the last he's 18 months. He's it sounds it sounds so reductive, but he is. Mm. He just is. He just has an understanding of space and where the ball needs to go and how it needs to get there. That he's just. I would do anything amazing. to see him and Cody Walker in the same team just oh, for one week, mate. It would be, it would be off the fucking chain. One thing that I thought was really really impressive about him in this game is, and I'm glad you brought up Cody Walker because I made I was there's a similar thing that I was talking about a few weeks ago. But when we see players like Cody Walker or Scott Drinkwater and the way we talk about them is how effortless and how natural all their play is. And it's like he's playing in the backyard or it's like he's playing, you know, for the Casino Cougars or something like that. But Drinkwater in his post-match interview on Channel 9, they were sort of talking to him about the try and he said, yeah, I got the ball in the middle of the field and I saw Taruva coming at me and I beat him. So I know he's their left winger. So I know if I head down there, there'll be some space. And I was like, you never think of it that way. You never think of like... Drink it's like somebody beating somebody, and then mm. in that split second, thinking, "Okay, I know where he's meant to be, so I'm going to go there right now." Yeah, that's you know, it sounds split it's, second decision making. It sounds so you can't basic. teach that. No, you can't. But it sounds so basic. But if it was that basic, everyone would be doing that's right. it. We say it all the time, you know. So just just having that presence of mind and having the the footy smarts to recognise that so quickly, I thought spoke really really well of Scott Drinkwater, not just as a naturally a talented attacking player but as a rugby league thinker as mm. well and he had some other great touches in this one he was the one that sort of got it going for the for uh oh, was it tom it was tom it wasn't tom did and whoever scored the first right was scott drinkwater himself mm. but he generated the momentum he, he through definitely the had ruck. one telling touch in that sorry time. <laughs> he did sorry i'm sorry guys it was nearly a week ago what it's do you want true from it me? was um he generated the ruck momentum with a really mm. good carry out of dummy half Played the ball, didn't went through, and then Drinkwater busted his ass to be up there in support as well. And it was just really, really good, really, really good stuff. The the rare sort of uh, consistent touch through this game, because other than that, it was really up and down. I thought North Queensland's ruck defence early was just atrocious. Like Penrith were walking up the field whenever they wanted. And it, it got a little bit better when Tal Malolo came on. Yeah. And then it got a little bit better as he sort of acclimated. I could not believe the, the Cowboys were winning this game after 20 minutes. And then... Oh, I, 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 and could, then, I could a little bit. Because but then it, I, I kind of thought the halftime scoreline kind of more fairly reflected the game that we'd seen. Yeah, at that I, I could a little bit because, like, with Penrith starting with Fisher-Harris and mm. Liotta and That's Tal Malolo coming That's a very off good the bench, point. Penrith were always going to have the running in terms of yardage early, but because the cows had more of their playmaking structures intact, they were always going to be able to score like rapid, well-structured points a little bit more mm. quickly. Um, Tal Malolo was clearly quite short of a gallop, 
but he grew into the game he, as it went on. And that had, run before the yeah, Drinkwater try. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's amazing. Like, he picks it up from dummy half. He's totally flat-footed. He shrugs off two blokes, makes 15 metters. Like, that's had, the Tamalolo. He had multiple that was quite, runs. That was quite remarkable. He had multiple runs in the last five minutes as well. It wasn't just the one where Chad kicked the field goal, but he had multiple runs where they could have kicked a field goal after his run because he just got that 15-meter carry and the quick play of the ball. It's just something that's become so... Uh, what's the word? I mean, we're just so used to him doing well, things like that that coming, it doesn't even rate him. Him coming on for that second stint and and just becoming a superhero is that's his trademark to me. I've seen that happen so many times, but it never stops being any more impressive to me. You know what was not impressive though? Mm. Kyle Feltz shot at goal in Golden Point, and I know you have some thoughts about this. I was okay with it. You were okay with it because, like, it's hard to kick a field goal. It's hard to do it, and they'd already like you they'd know, already. You know what else is hard? Kicking a goal from halfway, and you know what? It, when that's especially hard, and when you're Kyle Felt, well, no, when you've played eighty three minutes ah, of, of rugby league. Um, I would have look. I I would have hated it a little bit less if it had been like right on the stroke of the the five minute interval, but I was okay with it because you know, you know he's got the distance, and you don't know. You don't, like you, you kick for touch, yeah, you still got to get through your set and set up for a field goal. They they back their guy in to kick a goal from a set start. You know he's going to make the distance. He did, but didn't, he shanked though. it by well because he shanked it by ten meters. Yeah, so you don't know if he's going to make the difference. Well, you I took thought, that for granted. But I, yeah. So I thought this was awesome that they tried it. Yeah, like bomb and bomb at a pen. A lot of people were very meters. mad about it. A lot of oh no, hated I liked it because it. it was funny because yeah. it was it was insane. <laughs> okay, it so was, if the Raiders had done this, the Raiders know? have done this. The Raiders were the last team to do this. Who did in 2016, it? they played the Knights up at Hunter Stadium yeah. in round three, right? And they got a penalty five metres on their own side of halfway in Golden Point. And they sent Jared Croker out there to kick it. Jared Croker, I love like a brother. You all know that Why would they now. get Whiten to do it? Whiten wasn't try playing. Ah, okay, he, Whiten wasn't playing. He was suspended. No, he was 16, so he was playing. Yeah, he's got a big boot on him. Yeah, but who knows where it's going. That's true. Through yeah, the sticks, so, baby. So they, so they send Jared Croker out there to try and kick it from 55. Fantastic. So, yeah, they're the only team that are insane enough to do this. So was that like, the game where you beat them on the field goal no, it was that a draw. landed in the end goal? Or was it the draw? No, it was the okay, draw, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so that's the thing. Like, I understand that in a vacuum, you think Kyle Felt, massive boot, he can kick him from anywhere, why not have a go, right? Mm. But here's the thing. Kyle Felt hasn't kicked a goal in the NRL in nearly three years, right? He's never kicked over 60%. He's got a he's got a, he's got a habit of missing easy ones. Didn't he do this against the Knights once as well, and he didn't make it missed then it. either. Yeah, yeah, missed it. That was that was tougher though. That was, that was like, like almost on that the was nearly line, on right? the sideline, yeah. about fifty out. Right. So felt isn't a regular kicker. I don't even think he practices goal kicking anymore. You know, it's the eighty third minute. He's had a really big game where he's worked really hard. It's his first first grade game in a good couple of weeks, so his legs are heavy. It just seemed to me that it was the sort of thing that might make sense. It might, it might, it might make sense if you removed all the situational factors, but when you take into account the context of this match, of course, you got to take in the context. It was of an this insane match. decision. Like it was, I'm glad they did it because it was awesome, mm. but it was also deeply, deeply maniacal. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. Um, yeah, maybe I just more enjoyed it as a neutral, but it worked out for them in the end. So. Well, they got there in the end. Um, uh, I don't want to. I don't know. Like, I thought Jack Hogger played decent. I thought he played pretty well. Thought but he was tidy. I, definitely. I, I don't know how much you can really analyze. I know both teams had outs, but Penrith had more outs and, and more significant outs. And it wasn't just their origin players. Obviously, no Nathan Cleary either. So, 
difficult to analyze them to any great extent. Dylan Edwards was very, very good for them as, as he always See, is. See, I, I actually thought it was it was one of Edwards's poor games of the season. Like he got through his work and he made his yards and all that, but I think they needed some. I think some, they they asked a bit some much more of key attacking touches from him. That's just that's just not his game. Oh no, it's not. But he's one of the senior players out that's there. True. I, I just think they just needed a little, a little, a little bit different. But it's, it's hard. Than I, the, than I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm it's not hard. not bad. No, no, no I know you're not. But like it's just. I, I agree. Like you, you want your senior players to step up when other guys aren't there. It's, just, yeah. it's just not his game. Is well, it? just real quick, I thought Lindsay Smith had a really impressive game off the bench. I thought Liam Henry had some really good carries as well. Um, I thought Tom Dearden was really good for the Cows. I think we'll talk a lot about Ben Hunt a bit later, but Tom Dearden strikes me as someone who is, is really in that Ben Hunt type mold. And I think once Hunt sort of ages out, I could see Dearden um, mm-hmm. sort of fulfilling that. All effort, oh, he's all got energy, path, role. You know, future, I, I, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a real, real fan of his. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess with the baby Panthers, man, all you can ask when that many blokes are out is just effort, and they got plenty of that. You know, yeah. so I, I also, but I do think it's going to be tough to keep Tyrone Peachy in that side. Well, he had a bit of a tough one out in the centres, and Tom Jenkins did some nice things. Well, so. they'll, they'll get. They'll have Crichton and Targo long term, right? So yeah, I know, be, but Peach has played plenty of different positions yeah, for him this year. That's true, but well, that's because Tango was injured, right? So yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, they can't. That was that was tough. Well, I think they, I think, they I think, think the game's the, uh, passed yeah. old Tyrone by. I think. Yeah, well, you know, as as it will, all of us absolutely at time, right. Time or um, another. Let's move on. Um, tell you what, the Knights passed on scoring like forty tries because they could left have a lot on the board. Eh? Opened a butchery with the number of tries that they squandered in this a, game. A butchery. Is that what it's called? It's a butcher's, mate. Well, whatever. Well, you don't go there. No, so how anymore. would you know? Not anymore. No, that makes sense. No, play on. Play um, on, I say. It's not called a butchery. Fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> a butchery. You moron. Um, but they did bomb a lot of tries is the point I was trying to make. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Mm. Like, So Roosters get them. 18, 18-16? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but the Knights... They were creating so many chances. Like normally, normally the big thing on the Knights is that they're not sort of getting their best players in a position to succeed. But I thought their spine was was really creating yeah, some was, nice stuff for them. Well. It was more, it was more their outside backs who just showed a real inability to, to finish the chances with which they were presented. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I thought, I know we always talk so so much about Ponga when we talk about the Knights, but I thought he was he was quite strong. He was trying to get involved and out the back of a lot of different shape and like Gamble was doing stuff and Hastings was doing stuff and they just really couldn't get anything going. I thought the Roosters did quite well defensively to really put the clamps on Newcastle's left-hand side attack in the attacking 20. And then outside of that, the Knights just didn't have a whole lot for them, you know? The creating chances, but two quality centers like Bradman Best and Dane Gagai, you expect them to be able to finish them a little bit better. You know, Gagai had a, had a pretty tough one out there with... Few passes that went to ground and all that, and but yeah, I, I expected probably a little bit more, a little bit more craft and a little bit more precision from two centers as uh, as talented as Gagai and Best. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also like it, it's tough. Roosters fans are so down on their team at the moment. Um, I thought they were okay. I didn't think that their attack was lighting the world on fire. And I know that they lose Luke Keary to a broken jaw and mm. you know their fans weren't exactly enamored with his work this year anyway but it is hard to come back from from losing you know a playmaker at any point in the game um, well, I, I think the promising thing for the Roosters would be that some of the changes that Trent Robinson made had like a real tangible immediate effect like mm. I thought Nat Butcher was really good in the middle of the field and he sort of gave them 
a little bit more leg speed and a little bit more athleticism. And how many times have we talked about them kind of getting blown apart in the middle? Well, Roosters fans have told me for ages they prefer him in the middle. Well, I think I think everyone does. And They've sort of put him on in the edge in the past because he can do a I'm job. I'm glad there was no stewards inquiry about Front Row Friday because he did stay in the middle. Not required. Stay in the middle. The pick was clean. Yep. The pick was clean. 2-1, baby. Um, I thought he was, he was really strong. I, if I'd known Daniel Safidi wasn't playing, I wouldn't have Cole trained the Knights. But even then, I thought someone like Leo Thompson was probably a little bit disappointing for mm. them considering the good season that he's had to this point. But um, I thought uh, Nahafahu White, who was someone we talked about last week, I thought he was really good in conjunction with Butcher. And when you look at the way the team attacked, I know they only scored the three tries, but for two of them, it was just them playing really straight, playing at the line. You could see that in the Nat Butcher try. That was just Stanton Smith playing deep into the line, playing nice and straight, and something came of it. And it was same. It was even the same with the Joe Manu try. You know, Satili Tupanua going directly to the line and having a runner and being able to to take advantage of it. You know, and that's the sort of thing that we just haven't seen from the Roosters. Their attack has just been so sideways, sideways, sideways. There hasn't been a lot of north-south running with it. You know, so... While it is it is very much baby steps for the Roosters in just getting one win and showing a little bit of def- defensive resolve, I think it showed that there's still there's still a flame there. You know what I mean? It might only be flickering, but it's still there. I thought there was some some good signs for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know they sorely needed. I don't think it was curtains for their season just with the way the comp is so sort of even in the middle with wins and losses. But you know if they'd lost this game, they would have been six and eight with what ten games left to play. So. Tough sledding at that point, but instead they're seven and seven. Uh, four and against is absolutely in the mud, but as we've seen from a couple of these games, you play a couple of bad opponents, you can turn that around. Mm. Pretty quick, smart. So yeah, for them things are fine. Knights, what we we're, we're we're too late in the season for gallant losses. Yeah, and and that was the sense I got from their fan base after this game as mm. well. I, I thought there was a real frustration there they're because a, this was a game they should have been able to finish off. Just and, five wins now. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I know they've had some so. injuries and all that, but I think they had the better team on paper. Well, in this for the game, footy, for the footy they're capable of, and and we've seen that footy in patches in in you know flashes this year. That returns really not good. Should have won this game. Should have won, won this yep. game. Didn't and yeah, you can't you can't draw a line through anyone such as the makeup of the season. But they're now they are three wins behind eighth. Well, we are or two at, and a half. We are so. at the point where it would be a, a a Logan Roy style. Have they underlined it or have mm. they crossed it out? Yeah, with the Knights. Well. Yeah, it's funny. They're I didn't realize they're, they're sitting there staring obviously, at our predictions. Obviously, a couple more wondering, wondering which way we lean. Where are we going to do? Um, obviously, some teams have more. But I was going through South End of season state just for my own purposes. Uh, they have nine games left. I was like, oh shit, that crept up. So mm. yeah, it's really flying along. I think that uh, South haven't had to buy yet. So well, until this week. So some teams might have ten or even eleven games left. But yeah, not a lot of time left to turn your season around when you're five, one, and eight, which the Knights are. So I think um, I think with uh, Penrith their next game as well. Uh, it's uh, Penrith in Penrith next week, so not great, is it? Well, it depends. Maybe Pen- maybe Penrith's Origin guys are all banged up, and That's they get the, and they get the wins. Well, it is a they, Saturday they, Arvo, so yeah, and they get the Windsor Wolves plus James Fisher, Harris, and Dylan Edwards, possibly. You know? And then you look after that. They've got to after that they play. Uh, oh, they do have the Storm in a couple of weeks. South's a couple of weeks after that. Then Cronulla. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of hard games. Like, yeah, it's, I, I think that I think we. Can I think they needed, they needed they needed one they could they needed one they could bank. That's I, for sure. I, this they should have won, and I think we can probably put a line through them. But so you know, we've been wrong a million times before, and we'll be wrong a million times after that. All right. Um, this game was a lot more lopsided than we thought. I think we both tipped power in the end, but yeah. this was a lot more lopsided than I expected. 
Well, I thought, um, you know, so Parramatta getting up in a, in a pretty easy one against Manly. I thought what was impressive about this was Parramatta just playing to their strengths Is with Bailey such Simonson confidence. Good now? Well, he was someone I wanted to touch on a little bit because he play, he had some, some good, he gave good service to Canberra in the three years that he was there. But when he left, I didn't really shed any tears because I felt like in the three seasons since his debut, he hadn't improved all that much. Like he was good at some stuff and he was a good fill-in or whatever, but to me, he hadn't gotten a whole lot better than he than he than he did from that rookie year. But what Brad Arthur has shown a great capability at getting guys into that Parramatta system and getting getting the best out of them. If they're willing to work hard and knuckle down. He can turn them into into above average first grade footballers, and I think that's what Bailey Simonson's been this year. I think he's been quite strong for the Eels at at, at at centre this year, which is a new position for him. He only played it a little bit last year, and I thought he was really good in this one too. And but, and there were other guys like that who were real success stories for the Eels in this one. Ofehiki Ogden, Ogden was terrific. And with Wiramu Greg down for the year, maybe Ogden can sort of fill that spot coming in off the bench. I thought Brendan Hands had his best game in first grade in what's become a very tidy rookie campaign. And I, I really loved the ease with which that he was able to slot into that attack at first receiver because I think that's the next step for his game. He was a halfback in, um, in the lower grades at Penrith. So... Playing out a first receiver and linking with guys in attack is something that's very natural for him. And that just opens up a whole new world for Parramatta in terms of being able to strike on each edge really, really quickly, which was something that they had when Reed Marnie was hooker because of the width they were able to play with. And if Hands is able to facilitate that in his own way, then all of a sudden I think Parramatta can look a lot more like the team that made the grand final last year. So mm. those three, they're, they're, I have all those three down in my notes as being very impressive, but Hands particularly. I thought this was Hands' best game in first grade. Yep, that, that's, you, you're probably not wrong there. Um, that He's really made them, and I think juxtaposed with how bad the Bulldogs have been, I think they haven't missed Martin as much as we thought they were going to with him, with him coming into the team. I think they've kind of worked that out a little bit. Manly were awful and... I was trying to start with the positive. I thought Ethan Bullimore was pretty good. He's he's underrated. He's a better player than people think. Um, Please play him in the middle. Don't let him on the edge. K.O. Weeks tried hard. K.O. Weeks tried hard, but Manly kind of just got blown apart, yeah. you know, especially up the middle. That was my two positives field, that I've written. Yeah. You know, and it just, it, this has been true for Manly for a very, very long time now, but they're just really top heavy. They are. They're really top heavy, and they rely on their two best players, Tom Trebojevic and Daly Cherivans, more than probably any other team relies on if, their best If you two started the comp the and just took the best two players off every team, I think that they would be the team that's hurt the most yeah. by a distance. Yeah, and, and and that's just that's been true for them for before Seabold even got there. It's been true there for five or six years and it kind of showed it up again in this one, you know? So while it was there was some aspects of this game that would have been really disappointing for them, like Jermaine Hopgood just putting a big fend on Josh Alloyer, who's supposed to be one of the, like the real enforcers for that manly pack and running past him to score. Stuff like that is probably tough for them to, to, to get a handle on or to accept or whatever. But I think we said it on the preview that this was this was a real tep- this was a real test of like the quality of the team's roster without the top two players. And Parramatta passed that test with flying colours. Thought Dejan Arcee was really tidy for them again. I think he's I think he's showing that he's a genuine first grader, and mm. if there's not a spot at him for Parramatta long term, I think someone will come and snap him up because he just seems to have a very good control of his own abilities at this point. You know, I think he plays with an experience that's sort of a little bit beyond his years. Clint Gutherson, really good. Parramatta marching on in the top eight the first time this year. Rebound. They were fourth comeback. before the Sharks played today. 
Buy points, mate. Yeah, well, that was because South don't have the buy points yet, but still yeah. b- ridiculous. It was very funny when they showed the live ladder with five to go in the game and it had Parramatta in fourth, and then they showed the live ladder after the game and Parramatta were in eighth because everyone had got their buy points. Mm, absolutely. All right. Um, I one question for you. Where were you? Where were you? Where uh, were I you? was getting ready to go out, but I thankfully had the game on and didn't miss it. So if, if it had happened... Late. If it had happened in the second half, I might have missed it by because I was on a train to go somewhere. So might have missed it. But thankfully, I was was putting on my clothes and watching the footy. And Alex Twole, he did it. I was at the ancestral Campton family home back in Camden. I played footy earlier that How'd you day. Go? Where we won. Fuck yeah. Camden third grade. We beat Barony twelve five. Cop that baloney. Whatever you said. Pup got. Uh, my brother got players player in his first game for... He's first, players player in my heart every day. <laughs> but in his first game for, for Camden Rugby, which was a big achievement for the young fella. So I was I was on a high. I had a spring in my step. I had a bit of a bounce, you know what I mean? And I, I thought, you know, maybe I'll flick the footy on tonight. You maybe know? I'll watch some I was, of this rugby league. I was, I, was, I, was doing, I was doing some work stuff, just some admin things, nothing special. And I was like, maybe... Maybe with this magic in National the air. National Rugby League. Maybe maybe something special <laughs> oh, can give happen. give that a try. First game, nothing special. Second mm. game, nothing special. Third game, wasn't looking special. No. but And then it became a night none of us will ever forget. Shout out David Clemmer, by the way, for pulling his hands away. You know what? He was just far and away enough that it didn't feel like charity either. It was the right play to make. And that was... I, I really wanted Alex Twall at some point in his career to score a try. With Vossi on the call as well was perfect. 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 Like... Couldn't uh, the only thing that could have made it better would have been if it was a winning try. Yeah, but like that's there. Like not even our dreams could be. Perfect, I did you think know? in the contest beforehand that there was a like obviously they cleared it, but like part of me was just like, is there a chance it's one of those where it's hit a hand, then hit another hand, and then gone backwards off the Melbourne hand or something? But thankfully, all good play yeah. on. Yeah, I, I really wanted Alex Twal at some point to get a try. And and I, I think I said early this season, I thought this was the year because he mm. was playing better footy and he was breaking a few more tackles and he was just looking a bit more likely. Um, because like Alex Twal doesn't play this game to score tries. Very few front rowers do. But it's Dave some, Taylor did. It, it's, there is something deep in every footy player's heart and that can be a six-year-old boy or a 36-year-old grizzled first grader who's played 350 games. There is something in every footballer's heart that will love scoring tries. That that's part of the reason that we do this. Part of the reason that we all fall in love with this sport is because we love seeing attacking footy and we think about and we love scoring tries, right? And you might grow to love other parts of it. You might grow to love the the physicality in the middle of the field or the aggression or the or the way that it's sort of the way that you're able to sort of, you know, really take someone on and either get the better of them or have them get the better of you and there are, there are parts of this sport that we can grow to love, but the part that always piques our interest the first time is is the scoring of the tries. I always love that. Oh, he'd rather set one up than score one. No, he wouldn't. Well, People love setting up tries, but tell you know what they love more than that? Scoring. Well, even if they grow to, to love setting them up more, they started out liking scoring them more, mm. you know? And there was a... Alex Twell had been around long enough now that there was a chance it was never going to happen. And I think you could... And he's sort of... He's sort of played it down a little bit over the last couple of years because it has become it's, it's kind of become a bit of a meme and it got a little bit out of control at times there. And I think there were some Tigers fans that like really got sick of it. They were like they're treating the, they're treating us like children. They're treating us like make a wish players or whatever, you know. And 
But I'm really, really glad that the, the Twa got this moment and the Tigers all got this moment and Rugby League got this moment and it was so perfect and that Vossi was there and Vossi who's been going on about this for so, so long, you know, and he got to be a part of it. And I loved that it wasn't like that try that Alex Johnson scored that time where someone passes him no, the ball no, over no, the no. line. It was a fair income try that Alex Twa earned because he was making the effort to chase a kick just in case, just in case, you know. So it was a real reward for him being a better player and paying more attention to the one percenters, which he has been doing He's this been year. a lot better this year. And you could see when they were mobbing him afterwards and you could see how pumped he was. And it just it absolutely awesome. warmed my heart. rest of the game was uh, terrible for them. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of the game sucked. Uh, Will Warwick's the greatest winger of all time. The brick with tries, baby. The brick with tries is great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, apart from that Alex Twall try that I just rhapsodized about at length, West, oh, the West were really disappointing. Really disappointing. Mm. I thought Isaiah Papali'i probably had his best game for the club. I thought Sean Bloor had some good touches. Dream Buller tried hard. Talented Silva, pretty sharp on debut too. Mm. But they just had nothing in attack for the Storm. Yep. You know, absolutely nothing. And I thought the Storm were just too committed and too composed. Mm. And they played with a certainty with what they wanted to do that they've lacked at times this year, even when they've been fully loaded. I said on the show on Friday, the big thing for the Storm for this game was more about process than result. But they ended up getting both. Their process was so good that the result just handled itself. I, mean, I, I did tip them, but I thought it would be a little bit tighter than I this, did just too. because of the way they haven't put teams to the sword this year, Cronulla yeah. last week excluded, and for the fact that both teams were missing... I mean, they were missing Cam Munster and Harry Grant, for God's sake. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Jerome Hughes was very good. Jonah well, Pezzett was very good. Well, and, um, they fin- I thought they found a really nice balance. Mm. I actually thought uh, Pezzett was playing more first receiver. He was playing more like a halfback yeah. and Hughes was playing more like a six. And Hughes found the really good touches. AJ Kepper, I was someone who's had a really good year this year, but they kind of went after him and he made some pretty bad defensive decisions. And then Which- Will, Will Warbrick... Is, is, you know, there's a couple of catch and fall tries, but there was that really impressive yeah, leap the kick, as well. Great, yeah. like, he's a genuine aerial threat. He's someone who's improved tremendously through this season, mm. you know, and this was the sort of win that, it's funny, this sort of win actually makes me feel better about Melbourne's long-term chances than the win over the Sharks does because running up the score on a team when Munster and Grant are all just, you know, hanging out and doing whatever they want, that can happen on any given day because those guys are so good. Mm. It's all about what the rest of the roster. Yeah, but can this is a game where beforehand you could have made a genuine case about them losing. Like they're going on the road. Yeah. New South Wales, loud Campbelltown Stadium is a team that's been a lot better than they have been earlier in the season without their two best players, and none of it mattered. No, they just got it done. Um, they just got it done give, in that professional Melbourne Storm manner. Which team's going to give Jonah Pezzett the uh, Nico Hines? Deal? Oh, I hope it's Canberra. Fuck. I hope it's Canberra. Some... I mentioned on the on the Jack White episode that we recorded earlier this year that getting someone like Jonah Pezzett is. That's the dream scenario. It's interesting for to see what That's they do. That's the best case. Because there's like, how old's Jerome Hughes? He's not that old, right? He's like 27. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'd guess he's, I'd, he'd, I'd guess he's about 28. Okay, yeah. So I, I don't see him moving on anytime soon. They've re-signed Munster. So Pappenhausen's still lurking around. So interesting what they do there. I don't know what they do. Uh, he is 28. So mm. yeah, I, I think we could see sort of that, that, that Nico Hines deal for Pezzett somewhere. So well, that that would be. Lo- I'd love to see Canberra have a go at something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure that Pezzett's a Newcastle boy, Ooh, so there could be a spot open for him up there. All right, um, uh, but yeah, a lot of teams be queuing up for him. Uh, one more game. We watched this a couple of hours ago, so it's fresh in our mind. And thank God, because there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> what was your favourite moment of this game, and why was it when Kyle Flanagan at like? 300 nil down scored a try and did this is my house <laughs> Kyle just play hooker 
Just play hooker. You scored a thousand points last week playing for the dogs mm. in New South Wales Cup at hooker. You scored this try from dummy half today. Just play hooker. Things could, will work out. Maybe his first look because it's apparent he's not a first grade halfback. We all know that. No disrespect. It, maybe his future is just being a, like a twenty minute bench hooker guy for a club. Maybe that's his future. I don't know. But regardless, my, my favorite part of this game though was tall Tom Hazelton. Oh my over. god, that ruled. If loved that, I for mean, sharks. We're not going to explain the rules Tom. of a raw ball. But had we been playing a raw ball today, some so there would have been some broken men tomorrow. Would have been bodies on the floor. Oh my goodness, Hamlin, Uela, McInnes, Jack Williams, and then. Tall Tom. Oh, the Nicaragua as well. Fucking hell. Every, every yeah. Sharks forward pretty much. Well, yeah, I'll take well, Wilton as well. Fuck. Yeah, so like, so Cronulla did to Canterbury what I think we all expected. They yeah. came out and put a bit of a score on them. Um, I actually, I was actually quite let down by how Canterbury played in this one because they have played with a lot of ticket this year. And when they have been totally blown apart like they were by Souths on Good Friday, mm. it was because they had injuries and, and fellas Yeah, went they were down. in that game until Otto Carr got hurt. Yeah, this time, this time they just got busted up. Thought mm. Reed Marnie was really poor. Thought there were a lot of guys on that Canterbury team who have been, yeah, who have been, who have offered. They've shown that they're capable of a lot better this year. But credit where it's due. Thought the Sharks were were dominant in a way that they haven't been dominant in their other big wins over bad teams this year. And that's sort of with talk. And with that, I'm talking about playing a real sort of power game, really busting Canterbury up, really targeting poor old Carl Olipau who had to move, who moved to the middle of the field when Khaled Rajab came on. You know, I, like I said, I, I said this the other the other day. I don't know if this cha- this probably don't cha- this doesn't change the way I feel about the sharks it because doesn't. I've always known that they could do this. But um, you know, maybe this is what they need. Maybe guys like Hamlin, Ueli, and Fanukan needed a bit of a red rag and needed to sort of hit that rock bottom so they could bounce back yeah. up. They, they get handsome Toby back probably in the next week or two. They've got a very... Maybe. And, you know, yeah. stop me if you've heard this one before, Nick, but they've got a very soft draw coming up. They've got... <laughs> I think their next two games, like the Dragons, the Tigers... The Warriors who are decent and then someone else who's not good. And then yeah. they play Penrith and South back-to-back, which will be that big test. But yeah. they've got another month of soft games after this. So, you know, we could just see more games. And you're right. Like, as, as much as I, I've enjoyed the Sharks over the last couple of years, the knock on them is their inability to beat good teams. We saw last week how bad that was. And this game changes nothing. I was never, I'd been never sure of anything in my life that they were going to come out today and smoke the Bulldogs. I thought that they'd win comfortably and they did. I think that they should be filthy on themselves they didn't score more. Because well, that's the thing. 48-4 with 20 minutes left. Yeah. And and they didn't I, score any more points. And I, like, it was 48, but it felt like 70. Yeah. Such was the Well, if they could pass the ball scoring. backwards, they would have scored 70. Like, Tom, Tom Hazelton scored his try and then busted through from the kick. Yeah. Like, not even Camden third grade against Barony. So at one point, Sione like Katoa that. just jogged through the middle of the the, the dog yeah, line. Yeah, it was great. It, yeah, it, was, it, like, was, it was nuts, man. Like, and I th- I was watching this with a couple of mates, and we were kind of thinking, bro, could this hmm. be six? Could this be seventy? Like, this could be nuts. And then it kind of slowed down. But like, you know, it's, I'm not going to hit them too hard for that. But it's just sort of a measure of the ease of which they were doing things. And yeah, well, let's flip that over to Canterbury. Like, this was this, this was, is the thing, right? This was you awful can from you me. can. And this has been talked about on a million different shows, on a million different ways. We're not sort of reinventing the wheel with this point. But you can be a shit team. You can be a rebuilding team. You can be a team that gets their best player snatched away to be 18th man in State of Origin two days before the game. You can be up against the wall for a variety of reasons. And you can lose games and fans will understand. But like one thing that became synonymous with the Dogs, particularly in the Dean Pay era, is they didn't win a lot of games. But they very rarely got like smashed. They very yeah. rarely got blown out. And that's something that they've sort of prided themselves on, even in this time period where their fans have kind of been like, look, we're not the best team. We're still working our way back. We're still a couple of signings away from being a top eight team, yada, yada, yada. But they're at the point now where they think the guys they're signing for next season will put them into the top eight. Mm. 
And you can't just dish up performances like this that are just so poor. And there's talk that like Luke Thompson might be leaving as well. Like, I know they're getting Stephen Crichton and that they they linked with Ben Hunt and all this stuff. They want to sign all these backs and razzle dazzle stuff. But fuck me, their forward pack was just so bad in this game, Awful. so so bad. And they weren't missing bulk guys either. Like, there's not the, who's walking through the door to turn this around. Like, I can't think of anyone. So. For me, if I was a Dogs fan, I would just be disgusted with this performance. Because again, I think that once once Matt Burton got taken away, no Fox. Yeah, no one thinks you're going to win this game. That's fine. But to just have like literally every single Sharks player who was on a nudie run going in today, just lining up yeah. to score tries against you. And they scored the same try like four times. Mm. You can't have that. Well, for a, like a, for a team that's at times this year shown a lot of ticker, that's incredibly disappointing. I thought one of the very few players... Who could hold his head high was Curtis Moran. Mm. Thought he tr- he did everything he could. He was he was a real terrier out there, and he's someone who I think in a loss like this showed that he can be part of the solution for Canterbury in the middle of the field. But he, there's, that that problem is so much bigger than than him, and so much bigger than than what he can provide. You know, and I've been higher on the dogs this year than you have, but you you see something like this and it's hard to... They could come last again. It's hard to keep that optimism. Well, are they they're third last well, they're, now, are There's still two wins above the Tigers, but yeah. like, that can change. And they're for and against, I think, is the worst in the league. Yeah. I haven't checked. It probably is. Yeah, and it's, it's just disappointing. And it's disappointing to see someone like Reid Marnie, who's been such a good player. Uh, yeah, it is. And such a good leader for them this year to just be missing tackles the way... He was missing him. You know, like he's better than that. And this team is better. They well, this team should be better than what they mm. showed today. And instead it was like just a beatdown. A comical beatdown. Not, not to digress too much. Do you know which team has the second worst forward against in there right now? Um, is it the Raiders? No. Are they they're fourth worst. Okay. Second worst. This is surprising. Um Tigers are third worst. Say I don't know, man. So they're minus hundred dogs Manly, are minus dogs are minus hundred and fifty four. And then the second worst with minus eighty eight, so almost double. That's how bad the Bulldogs have been. But Roosters, wow, really? Yeah, that's shocked me. Well, there you go. If they beat the Raiders by a twenty or so next week, though, they they can reclaim absolutely can. They, or they can or they can condemn the Raiders to second place on the points but, um, differential. Yeah, so the, the Dogs get Newcastle next week, but then after that, it's Souths, Brisbane, Penrith. Shit. And that Souths game will be assuming. Uh, the South game could well be without Burton and Adokar again because it's an origin game. Oh, mate. If they're not careful, they could be sent to the butchery. Yeah, and it, they're exactly right. And then I think the Tigers have got the, all the revenge game against the Cowboys coming up. And then they've got the... The, <laughs> the revenge game? Well, the, from the Cowboys point oh, of view. Oh, you said the Tigers oh, want so revenge. No, that, they, they'd play them every week if they could. But then they, they, they've got a couple of soft games against the Dragons and Knights coming up as well, the Tigers do. So there's a world where the Dogs are last in a month's time. Damn. And I think that that given optimism that surrounded them from some people, not me, but from some people at the start of this season, I think is just extremely disappointing if you're a fan. A sad and solemn go, Berto, to all my Bulldogs brothers out there. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away, Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Renrandra. But it could all change, Nicholas, (laughs) if they got Ben Hunt, which, so uh, look, again, by the time you hear this tomorrow morning, look, the story could have changed another five or six times, but so far today we've heard Ben Hunt wants a release, Ben Hunt doesn't want a release, the Dragons won't release him, 
Uh, so I, I think what we can confirm is that Ben Hunt asked for a release mm-hmm. and the Dragons have turned him down. In my experience, if players want out, they get out. They do. They do. Contracts uh, don't mean ben the Hunt, paper they're ben signed Hunt on. doesn't strike me as the sort that will run dead or anything like that. No, no, no. I think this is something that will be revisited in the off-season. And I think there's a pretty clear way forward for how this is going to go, right? So I think the two things that Ben Hunt would want in a move to another club would be the chance to win a premiership or being able to move back to Queensland, mm. right? I don't know if there's a club that can offer him that first one because I don't think there's a club that is a halfback away from winning a comp who has the money that someone like Ben Hunt would be able to demand, mm. You know? Realistically, I think the only two teams in Sydney that if they sign Ben Hunt could win a comp are Souths and the Roosters, and that's not going to happen. Well, they, neither of them would have... would have. Although the Roosters are letting Fletcher Baker leave, who I believe is on $1.8 <laughs> million a year, so maybe they could sign Well, Sandon Smith is paying them. Of course. He's, he's, he's he, doing, he five, against the salary he's doing five days on the tools to come up with the money to pay the Roosters for that's the privilege. The Roosters are going to sign like a Saudi sheik to play for them, but he pays them $5 million. Omar Slime Ankle. They've done it. Dig it <laughs> calling someone back home and saying, away we go, but boys. But yeah, I think if it's not Souths and the Roos, and it's not going to be, well, could, if it's the Roos, I'm, I'm not watching rugby league anymore. <laughs> I'm not watching the sport anymore if they get Ben Hunt. Fuck me. But yeah, there's no one else in Sydney, I think, that can, can fit the bill. So I don't think so either. So if you look at the three teams in Queensland, I don't think the Dolphins will have a spot for him unless they move on someone like Marshall King or Katoa or O'Sullivan. And you might think that O'Sullivan would be the odd man out, but I think he's become a real favourite of Wayne Bennett's. I actually think that he's someone who's going to like stick around the club after he retires and become a coach or something like that. Yeah. I just like Hunt's a better player than him, but I just don't see the Dolphins moving O'Sullivan well, hear me on. Out. Hear me out. Hunt 7, Katoa 14. I wouldn't want to put Katoa backwards. I get that, but like you know? Ben Hunt's already thirty three. He's probably got realistically two seasons left. Katoa's yep. still a teenager. He is, he is. But I think Katoa has shown enough this year to show that he's the oh, f- he's a great player. Like he's the he's this he's the Finns for the next decade, and I wouldn't want to put him back. That's a good question for another year. Would so yeah. um, I, that's the thing. I I I would think about moving on to O'Sullivan, even though I think he's a good player. But I just don't think they will. No, and I think we can both agree on the spot that makes the most sense, the team that well, has a well, not a good halfback well, situation. We're getting there, we're getting there. The romantic in me, oh. the romantic in me would <laughs> love to see him go back to Brizzy. And play hooker. Play hooker, mm. send Billy Walters and Corey Pay back to the deserts whence they came, have Ben Hunt be the hooker next year with Blake Moser coming off the bench. He plays two years with him or a year and a half or whatever, shows Blake Moser everything he knows about playing hooker, maybe wins a comp with Brisbane, Everyone forgets about the drop. Fun, happy, good times. Top four tour. Bit of an 06 vibe, nice. all that shit. Doesn't, doesn't feel realistic because Ben no. Hunt don't want to play hooker at club level, right? What if Adam Reynolds plays hooker? <laughs> How many minutes into the I'm first in- game? I'm intrigued. <laughs> who would, who, would he hate hooker Aiden as much Caesar? as Aiden Caesar yeah, had Probably. I think if there's would. a player who would hate it as much as Aiden Caesar did that fateful yeah, day Reynolds. where he looked up at the coach's box in despair. <laughs> So, by process of elimination, the, the most likely landing spot seems to be the Titans. They can offer him the big money, because they will. Mm. They're in Queensland. They're not close to winning a premiership, but they're a good enough side. That I think he, ben Hunt they're a good enough side that you, don't have to, that you don't have to sell it as a rebuild. You know, they got Fafita. They got Fasul Malawi. They got Fodawaka. They got Brimson. You know, they got some quality think, there around him. like... Their forward pack has some really good players in it, dude. Yeah. They've got some fun outside backs. A spine of Brimson, K- 
Campbell, Hunt, and Verrills, you can win a comp with that. We got, like, you got Foran up there too. Yeah, true. You can. You know, win. you got Foran running around. You like, work it out. There's some good pieces there at least, and I think as well. I think the terms of a release for the Dragons, they would want somebody yeah. in return. They would want a forward in return, and I think the Titans have some forwards that could make that trade interesting. You know, like if the if the Titans said, "Well, what if we gave you both Furmore?" Who's injured at the moment, but last year had a really good season. So the Titans go, you want Fasumo Ali, right? And the yeah. Dragons say yes. <laughs> oh, you want Haas? We we got a Haas. Yeah, for we'll give you, you Haas and Fasumo Ali. Yeah, so I I think that there's I think that to me seems to be the really natural move if Ben Hunt is to leave the Dragons over the off season, which and I don't think any movement will happen here until the off no, season. I think um and the other I mean there is talk though that Chad Townsend's homesick and wants to leave Queensland. A Hunt did and halves combination oh, with that yeah. forward pack. That and would drink be, water at fullback. Holy shit! That would be, be really cool. And they could send they could send like Griffin Neem mm. down to Saints. And if if Saints Cogra get, bully the Cogra bully, yeah. Well, um, they well could Chad's, send, Chad's on a bit of coin, you'd think. Well, so, and he wants to go back to Sydney by all accounts. So. Yeah, but like somebody, somebody like getting someone like Griffin. Where Neem what part of Queensland is Ben Hey, what part of Queensland is Ben Hunt from? Um. Because like I, I know this, is, he, it, he went is to, it near Brisbane? Is no, my it's, point? it's it's not. He's from he's from Darwin. Okay, I don't know where that is. Darby, like, it's, it's in, I'm pretty sure it's in the. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, my, my point sure is, my, my question is because Townsville is so so far away from Brisbane, would going to Townsville alleviate any sort of if if he wants to go back to Queensland and we take that as a in inverted commas homesickness issue, would going to the Townsville alleviate that at all? Is my question. Uh, I would say yes, because he grew up. That's right. He, he's junior. He's he's from Dingo, not Dalby. The fuck is and he's that? A bla- he's a bla- he's a Blackwater. He's a Blackwater crusher, mate. Like the coal train. Oh, okay then. Yeah, he, he's um. It's more. It's more Bundy. Well, sorry, okay. Ro- sorry, Rockhampton. So, right. Shout Cow- out Cowboys. Cowboys could be an option then. There you go. You know, so um, but I, I think yeah, that yeah, I mate, honestly, I hadn't even considered the Cowboys. No, nor had I until we started talking about yeah, it. But because I'd, I'd forgotten, like, I'd forgotten. I, I do want to say this Queensland. right now, and if we did have a camera, I'd be looking into it. I'd be looking into your eyes, Bulldogs and Tigers fans. It's not happening. Don't do it, guys. Stop deluding yourselves. I've it's had a couple happening. of Raiders fans met text me saying, "What? Let's sign Ben." Oh, he wants to move further like, away from further away from Brisbane and go to Canberra. Brother. Like, well, like, make the call, Chuck. Mate, make, offer him two million dollars. Make the call. Just do it. Offer him two million dollars. Make the call, but just you could win a comp with Ben Hunter. Don't Hunter, don't build your dreams around it. No, boys. but like, offer overs. Offer him the biggest overs you've ever seen, and see what happens. Ben Hunt, you're the prime minister. Um, we'll make it happen. There's no we'll one. Get, we'll, we'll run that rabbit eye bastard out of out of the lodge. That'll be your private residence, Ben. I got to tell you, I'm pro Ben Hunt. Everyone knows I love Ben Hunt. Go Dozer. A bold all take. that shit. Very pro. Buy ben a mug. Hunt. Very pro Ben Hunt. I am not delighted that he has asked for this release. I understand, you know, it's his life and his career and he can do what he wants and I'm not one of those old codgers that says contracts have to be ironclad and all that sort of thing. But I do think it's a bit poor that you re-sign with the team and then less mm. than a year later you're agitating for a release. I understand Anthony Griffin's his guy. I understand that's a relationship that has been part of Ben Hunt's life since he was a, since he was a boy and I can respect that. But he had to, he and I understand. I, I, he had to understand that upon re-signing with the Dragons last year, that if things didn't turn around quickly, Anthony Griffin was going to be gone. Like you, well, you he was almost gone last year. You, yeah, you don't plan for that eventuality. No one re-signs and thinks we're going to miss the finals again next year. But he had to know that that was not, not if not likely, certainly mm. a possibility. So to then turn around. And say you're concerned about the direction of the club 
I said, well, the only big decision mm. the club's made since you re-signed was getting rid of the coach that you were yeah, close it's, with. Right? Dude, it, so I, I, I get that. I do. It's just like, why'd you re-sign then, mate? If you were so concerned, why not leave? I'm surprised because like, I agree completely, but I thought I was going to be the, one, the, the, the Ben Hunt hater as I've come to be known somehow. Well, I, I thought I was going well, to make I that would, point. I but. would like the record to state that even though I agree with the Ben Hunt hater, I am not hanging out with him down at the butchery. That's fair. While we, while we agree, while we are reaching across the aisle mm. on this very sensitive topic, this is the only of your anti-Ben Hunt views that I That's endorse. That's fair. And I, this is so stupid. This has got to a bipartisan job. agreement. But it's true, right? You think about it. It's like you can't have been enamored with the Dragons on-field product in 2022, right? And everyone goes, oh, poor Ben Hunt. He doesn't deserve this team of, of losers around him who don't know how to play rugby league, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. We get this every week. It's tedious. So, well, he signed the deal in October last year to stay there for another until the end of 2025. Yeah. He signed that deal. And if he... Oh, I don't. I, I, I buy the Griffin stuff. Yeah. I completely get that, all of that. But like, as you said, you, you can't have thought that... Like, what did you see that you thought was going to turn around in, in such a quick space of time? The, the Griffin was already on the hot seat last year. And the Dragons have shown a propensity to pull the trigger on guys like not long after backing them publicly, which mm. they did with Mary McGregor as well. So... Like what? Did, like, I'm just wondering what he thought was going to be this big, great change this year. They, it's not like they made a bunch of signings. It's not like they were trending upwards to finish last season. They like, I, I, I'm just shocked that it's all come to a head so quickly. Well, he he, be, he believed in his guy. Yeah, well, hooks his guy. He has been for 15 odd years now, if not longer, and he believed that he could turn it around. You know, we're treating Hunt leaving like it's a fate accompli. I think it, it always not happen. will happen in the off season. But Shane Flanagan's a very canny operator. Um, he's he's would have worked with Ben. That's Hunt the funniest before. part of his whole thing. They upgraded at coach immensely, and that he's like, "Nope, yeah. I'm out of here." So maybe Flanagan can can sell can sell the Red V dream to him one last time. But I think if the Dragons are looking at this as another restructuring, another retooling, another rebuild, then I think Ben Hunt will will want to piece out. It you is know? very the, the big loser here is Luke Brooks because all of a sudden mm. the halfback market has. Uh, when 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 there's more of something, does that mean the halfback market softens or hardens? I don't understand markets. Uh it's it's saturated, which makes things softer. Money talk. That's right. Yeah. Like Luke Brooks was probably gonna get an NRL gig somewhere just because there is a dearth of quality experienced halves available and now a more quality, more well, hang experienced, on. He, infinitely better player well, if he, is available. If he but if Hunt leaves the Dragons, then the Dragons can just sign Luke Brooks now. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, they probably would, right? <sighs> Look, it might make sense for what they're looking for if they want an experienced half to throw in the mix with Sullivan if and Luke Brooks. Can, can you imagine what the Red V faithful would be like if their big off-season signing is Luke Brooks? They might burn one, if not both, of their ovals down. They burn half of each oval uh, a down. A joint venture. If you're fitting a That's joint fair. venture. Um, yeah, if I'm Luke Brooks, I'm like signing to go be a 14 at a good team than rather than being the Dragons. Oh, I'm just going to Super League. That's fine too. I'm piecing out. Croft B. Brooks, one hot summer. <laughs> well, sorry, it's one cold, one cold, <laughs> one cold winter. What? Oh, one oh, wait, no, it is the Northern one, Hemisphere, One right? mild so, yeah. summer. One mild summer, Brooks. <laughs> Croft. Well, uh, not quite the summer of love. Maybe the summer of affection. Mm. Uh, people don't know the thirty for thirty referencing. It's about um, it's about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting dingers. It's, it's awesome. sick, man. It's it's, so it's one of the best of the later era thirty. Just the lads hitting dingers. Done. What more do you want? <sighs> Nothing, baby. Exactly. That's all I want in life. Who would be the best at hitting dingers in the in in the current current crop of? Oh, that is a great players. question. Um, you think about it a little bit because you are the baseball man among us. Mm. I here's one though. The 
supreme dinger hitter we have talked about this before, in NRL yes. history is Dale Copley. Dale Copley, exactly Dale Copley. Right. So Dale Copley, you know, you guys will remember him. Broncos, Roosters, Titans, outside back, played about 10 years in the league, pretty good player. He was, people were calling him the best baseball prospect ever to come out of Australia. He had major league baseball clubs coming after him from the time he was about 15 or 16. They reckoned he was a serious, serious player who had major league potential. Mm. And he gave it all up to play footy instead. So I think he's probably the best. Oh, yeah. He's probably the best ever. But if you were getting someone now... Who's, and trying anyone, to turn them is into there a DH, who Is think? there anyone that we know that was good? Is really was a really good cricketer as well? Nathan Brown was a really good cricketer. Okay, he's he played big too. Played played junior rep stuff for, for I think for New South Wales. Okay, well he's big also, so yeah. that could be the I answer. I don't know if he, he might have been a bowler though. To be honest with you, that's all right. They yeah. can all swing the bat. Um, I don't know other good cricketers. I'm not sure. What about just like a tools perspective? Who who do you see out there and think you know what? If you put a if you put a, a baseball bat in that fella's hands. He could send, well, he could send that ball to the moon. So this, there's often a thing with sluggers in baseball. Like, you know, the big dudes who hit home runs. They yep. call, they're called three true outcome guys. Yeah. They either strike out, they get yep. a walk, or they hit a home run. Yep. Jack Whiten's a three true outcome I, that's, guy. I, I knew that's exactly where you were going. <laughs> he's either going to do something sick, he's yep. going to drop the ball, or he's going to pass it over the sideline. Well, Three true you, outcomes. His, his slugging percentage? High. 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 He's swinging, man. You know how sometimes... Um, they get like players in from the Dominican Republic or yeah. whatever, and it's all just big swinging all the time. Oh, yeah. It's not they're not like soaking up the pitch count. No, no. They have a saying: you don't walk off the island. Yep. Jack Whiten's not walking from the territory to the bright lights and the pinstripes. Not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jack Whiten, New York Yankee, would be an amazing storyline. I'd watch, begrudgingly, as would I. Mm. Um, no more news. But I, I don't. So you were watching on nine today, so you didn't hear this. Um, Vossie started teasing Roger Tuivasa Sheck news with ten minutes to go in the game, and mm. we were all like, "Oh, what's this about?" And then the news was that he's not playing for the Auckland Blues this weekend in the Super Rugby Grand Final. So now there's... T- like, what are the rules around this? Can he just come back to league like, now? Well, I would imagine that the precedent would have been Sonny Bill Williams mm. coming back in the 2020 season for the Roosters. Um, and the re- the way the Roosters were able to get around that is they said he's not coming from an NRL club. Yep. So we can just register him. So you And he's think- signed for the Warriors from next year, but well, he when- could go somewhere else. For three months. Oh, I don't. I'd be very surprised. No, no. So, like well, I, I guess the other thing in their favour is the Warriors are actually good this year. Well, yeah, I, so I could the, see. I could see him coming back and. So, if the, the Warriors were, Warriors. if the Warriors were for, if the Warriors were where the Bulldogs are right now, you could probably make a bigger case for him signing for like a team that's in the top eight. You could yeah. come and live in Sydney for three months, play for, play for South, play for the Sharks, play for, play for Brisbane, play for whoever. But I think with the fact that the Warriors are quite good, and I think that if they got him back this year. And put him in the centres. Well, the only thing would be centre. Chance has been so good. Well, well, I think I think Chance will keep the fullback jersey next year, mm. um, and I think they've signed two of us check as a centre. But that can be a tough position to just pick up on the fly. Front on defence has never really been his go, as mm. it were. Um, and you wouldn't want to just drop him straight in either. He'd, he'd, he'd have to play Reggie's for a few weeks. He'd have to get up the speed. I'd probably even think about bringing him back into first grade on the wing or something like that. You'd, like it's a slow, it's not a instant switch. But it, yeah, it's definitely something I could see happening. You know, it, it's like he's not going to make that All Blacks World Cup squad. So yeah, why not get a start on your new, on your new life, Got which it. is your old life? You wouldn't want to be kicking your heels for almost ten months if you were him. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, exciting, I guess, that, that he could come back and make a difference for the Warriors down the stretch because I think the Warriors mm. are... And I've got a column coming up tomorrow about the three teams set to benefit the most from the origin period, and I think they are firmly number one. They always board. are. 
They always are. It didn't matter in the brown news because they were so bad, but it matters now. Matters now. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, quick thank you to the the big apples of our hearts, <laughs> the Patreons in the top two tiers. Um, if you want to subscribe, patreon.com forward slash you get an extra show every single week, which will be a day later than usual this week because of Origin. So we'll be doing questions and other stuff on Thursday. Uh, access to our Discord server, merch discounts, and plenty more. Um, so no reason not to. And a quick thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Cementing the Churn of Ignorance, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, and Anonymous Backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scores, with Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Marooned Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift, my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Twilo's Pies, Shareholder Dividend, Was, and Westlife's Podcast. To everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Yeah. What, what, what is there to say at this point? We do it all for you guys. We do. Like, for all the listeners out there, but particularly the people who are on that esteemed list. Particularly the ones who change their names each and every week. Yeah, they keep trying to trip me up, but I'm not going to be tripped. Oh, I don't know if they're tripping you up, but they're definitely... Some definitely... prick's going to start writing tongue twisters soon. Oh, that would be funny. No, it, why did I say that? Delicious. Why did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I like a challenge. That's why I bring it on. Of course, I was a little nerd who was good at tongue twisters when I was a kid, so... It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. How how could you define whether you were good at tongue twisters or not? Were you just really good at saying it? Was there a tongue twister competition that you entered and excelled in? Yes. Was there really? Oh, like at one of like the gifted schools, gifted classes I went to. Yeah, there were. Brother, run me through this. No. Oh, please. Come on. I mean, it's pretty Come on. There's a list of progressively harder tongue twisters. And if you stuff one out, you're out. No one. How many people are in this competition? I don't know. All the nerds in these stupid nerd classes that arguably stunted me as an individual. (laughs) You might be emotionally stunted, possibly a bit socially stunted, but you know your way around a time. I am the least socially stunted of like any person who's ever gone to any of those gifted classes, which is saying something. (laughs) But it's true. God, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's just okay. Okay, we won't. We won't. I should have been. I should have been like curing cancer instead. I just talk about (laughs) footy with a drunk every week. Oh, all right. right. We dream so big, but then our destinies choose us. I'd actually rather do this. (laughs) Any nerd can pick up a microscope, but only a few can pick up a microphone. (laughs) Words to live by. Oh, never forget, boys. (laughs) Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.